five service. Good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Glad you're here. Trust that you have somewhere fun to go today or that you're going to go to bed early. How many of you like to go to bed early on New Year's Eve? You're like, been there, done that. I don't care. And how many of you, like, you are adamant you're going to see it cl uh, click to 12? Any of you? Handful of you? Yeah, actually, a lot of you. Wow, okay. Uh, so it's interesting. <laughs> hey, let's do this, too. Uh, let me see a show of hands. How many of you are those who like to set uh, New Year's goals? We don't even have to call them resolutions. You like to set New Year's goals. Raise your hands. And how many of you are like, I am not doing that, knowing New Year's goals, because I always fail them? Raise your hands. All right, yeah, we've got some of those. Uh, I want to give you a suggestion, uh, a little pastoral advice. I'm very pro-resolutions. I'm very pro-making New Year's plans. Uh, there's the old saying, uh, failure to plan is planning to fail. And uh, New Year's presents an opportunity to decide what is 2018 going to look like. If you do not set goals, if you do not set ambitions, if you don't reflect on what 2017 was and what you want 2018 to be, all of a sudden you will find it's Easter and you are still in the same rut that you were today. And so I want to encourage you to be thinking about your New Year's resolutions. I'll give you mine. My New Year's resolution for 2018 is I don't want to live hurried. I don't want to live a hurried life, whether it's hurried with my family, hurried with my time with Sandy, hurried with my time with the Lord, hurrying getting to church, wherever it might be. I don't want to live hurried because all that does is like uh, stomp on my spirit and my joy. And so uh, just wanted to let you know what mine is. What's interesting is we know that when we make New Year's resolutions, we're going to hear that periodically throughout the morning. And feel free, if you've just had enough, you go just take care of business, whatever you feel like you need to do with those dear children. Um, but, you know, having... Having a list of resolutions can lead to discouragement. It absolutely uh, does. Sometimes the, what we set for us can prove to be uh, too difficult. We say, hey, starting tomorrow morning, I am going to work out six and a half days a week I, I, for an hour for each of those, and I'm going to kill it. I'm going to just destroy my body, and I'm going to become this like uh, inhuman being that's just fit, and you make it for a week or half a week, and you go, okay, that's way too hard, and so you just go back to the buffet line, and so we do that. Uh, this morning, I want to suggest three resolutions for you to consider, to very, very seriously consider for 2018. I, what, what I want you to do is think of them not in the sense of tasks to be accomplished, uh, of like something you have to do. In other words, hey, I'm going to walk the dog every morning at five o'clock in the morning. I, I don't want you to look at it as a task, but rather I want you to look at these three suggestions for resolutions as a representation of an attitude of the heart. Something that as a follower of Christ, you can adapt into your life going into 2018. Again, not task, not job, not thing to be accomplished, but attitude of the heart. And whether you are a, an elementary school, junior high, high school, college, old adult, whatever it might be, 
uh, I'm just going to encourage you to contemplate applying at least one of these resolutions to your life. The first one is this, is to live generously. To live a life of generosity in 2018. Acts chapter 20, verse 35 out of the ESV says this, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to to give than to receive. The first resolution I want to suggest to you to apply in your life to 2018 is that you live a life of generosity. And you might think to yourself, oh, okay, I get it. It's December 31st. The pastor's making the the plea so that we end the year in the black financially, and so he's going to do another offering. That is not the case. That's not my intention. In fact, I would rather you think outside of finances, although finances are a part of it, to live a life of generosity. Because living a life of generosity can seem easy at times, and it can seem more difficult at times, depending on where we're at in life. If you look at what we did as a church with uh, Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes, we gathered as a church family in that lobby where their screaming kids are, and we began to gather belongings that you all went and purchased to give to kids down in Juarez, Mexico that otherwise would never open a gift on Christmas morning. And as we began the evening, one after another, after another, after another, you came into this room with bags and boxes and several boxes full of possessions, full of things, full of toys and toiletries and gifts for these kids. And we began to fill boxes and we filled all the boxes that we had. And then we had to go to Walmart to get plastic boxes. And we filled those boxes and we had to go get more boxes. And then we ran out of those boxes and we were left with this unbelievable surplus of things of generosity of the heart to give to others. Over 265 shoe boxes put together for these dear kids in Juarez, Mexico. And what was evident in the room? Not tension, not arguing, not competition, not judgment, not criticism, but joy, peace, happiness, love. There's a reason why God says, give, and as you give, give with a joyful heart. Because it's a reflection of God himself. You see, when we do that as a church family, we take on the heartbeat of God. That's just one example. The other one is living just generously in your everyday life. What that does is it allows us to live the gospel message of Jesus Christ in the context of our world. Why is that so? It's because we live in a world that does not do that. We live in a world that does not put the other person first. We read in the scriptures that it says, make sure that you put the interest of others first. Consider their needs before your own. And in fact, consider them above yourself. And yet to live that way is completely contradictory than the culture that we live life in. It's one thing to do it on a mission trip. It's another thing to do it here at church. It's another thing to live generously when you go back to work this week. It's another thing to live generously when you're with strangers. It's another thing to live generously when you're with enemies. 
And yet the Bible does not give lines of, of delineation on where and when we live with a generous heart. It just says to do so. Just as God is always generous with us. If you look at your sinful life, if you look at the times when you have disobeyed God, when you look at the times when you have turned your back on God and per, per, uh, intentionally chosen not to follow his ways, and yet his generosity of grace and mercy and forgiveness is more than you can ever count. So as we do that, we actually then live the life of Christ as generous followers. So how can you be generous this year? I want to give you some suggestions. Number one, you can be generous with your forgiveness. There might be someone in your life who does not deserve your forgiveness, but may you be able to offer it to them. You can be generous with your time. Time is one of the most difficult things to grab onto, and it's one of the most difficult things to save. You can be generous with your caring for others. You can be generous with the gifts and the talents that God has given you. Every single one of you in this room, as a follower of Christ, have been given a gift and a talent that God always intended to be used for His glory, for the kingdom's growth. You can be generous with your finances. You can be generous with your belongings. You can be generous with your attention. And well, that's an interesting one because we live in literally the most distracted time that this world has ever known. We are the most educated. We have access to the most information. We are the most wealthy. We are the most fit that literally this world has ever known. And we're also the most distracted that this world has ever known. Think if you would, if you sit and have a conversation with someone, how it makes you feel when, when you're speaking with them and that you feel like you're the most important person in the whole room. Maybe you've been around someone like that where nothing else matters except for you. And maybe that's not the case, but that's how they make you feel. And compare that to maybe someone else who you have a conversation with and it genuinely appears that they can't wait for the conversation to be over or they wish they could go talk to someone else. They just want it to be done. Which one feels good? Which one feels like that person is being generous? You see, we tend to think of generosity out of, and pulling out of our wallets and yet the Bible gives us something that's much greater than that and that's a generosity towards another human being. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 out of the NIV says this, Give whatever, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It means give, just give nonstop. Get in the habit of just giving. Don't even think about it. Just give. That's the heart of a follower of Christ. It's just, just to give nonstop. And as we as followers of Christ live generously, God's love will be evident 
in our lives. And so the first resolution I want to suggest to you that you contemplate and think about, irregardless of, of how old you are and what life stage you're in, is that you consider this year, 2018, to live more generous than you did last year. What does that look like for you? It's going to look different for all of us, but what does that look like for you? Number two, second uh, resolution I'd like for you to consider is to reflect all year long. Reflect all year long. There's something unbelievably powerful about certain moments. New Year's Eve is one of those. We reflect on what the last year brought us, both good and bad. We remember the highs and the lows. We remember the good times and the bad times. We do that at funerals. We reflect. We reflect on our experiences with that individual as we remember them, as we reflect with them. There's something unbelievably powerful about reflection. Theologically speaking, biblically speaking, it's all throughout the scriptures. We don't have time to go through all the Psalms and all the Proverbs and mostly all the Old Testament as there is a reflection, but I want to give you a few of these to give us guidance this morning. Psalm 139 verse 23 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Expose everything that's in this heart. You know what's crazy about our hearts? There's two people that really know it, you and God. When you look in the mirror, you know your heart. When you look at your spouse, if you've got a close marriage, they know part of your heart, but they do not know nearly all of it. Your God does, and so do you. And so there's an idea of going, I'm going to reflect God, and I want you to reveal in me the condition of my heart. And then try me, test me, bring those things to mind, and know my anxious thought. The book of Lamentations, which I know most of you have been meditating on throughout this week, says in chapter 3, let us examine and probe our ways. And let us return to the Lord. Let us examine and probe our ways. God, reveal what my intentions are. Why do I do what I do? <coughs> the good stuff, tell me why I do the good stuff. Do I do it for praise? Do I do it because out of obedience? Or do I do it for love? Reveal and probe my heart. Why do I do the bad things? Why do I do the things you don't want me to do? Reveal in me why. And as you reveal to me, let me return to the Lord. You see, that's what God does. God never reveals in us things that need to be adjusted just out of rebuke. It's always to train in righteousness. It's always out of love. It's always to bring us closer to him. It's always to develop a deeper faith in him. That's what he does. Reflection is powerful. A survey was taken several years ago and asked people in their 80s and 90s what they would do more if they could live their lives completely over again. Fascinating. Some of the answers that were given and one at the very top of the responses said that they would reflect more. One of the very top answers for those in their 80s and 90s when asked what would you do over, they would reflect more. If they could live life again, these wise people that have lived many, many years said that they would reflect on their daily actions. 
they would reflect on the words that come out of their mouth, and they would reflect on the ways that they lived life. We don't have too many old people in here. In the first service we did, and they agreed with this, age doesn't give wisdom. We think that. We think the older we get, the wiser we get. But I can tell you, I've been around plenty of really old people that are not wise. And I can tell you that I've been around a ton of older people who are wise. What brings wisdom is something different than just a matter of age, a matter of days. But there's a problem. There's a problem that comes sometimes when we choose to reflect at the end of the year or at the end of one's life, and that is that we have regrets. Maybe you have been a part of that where you've been at a funeral and, and you're at a visitation or a, or a funeral service, and you're reflecting on what you wish, wish you would have said, things you wish you would have done, one more date, one more time together, one more dinner, one more phone call, one more email, one more thing. And so sometimes reflecting can bring about regret. And even today, it might seem too overwhelming for you to carve out time to reflect. And yet, if we take each day to carve out some time to reflect where life is going, what our attitudes are, what our behaviors are, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, those little things begin to add up. I had a seminary, seminary professor who was my New Testament theology professor and my Greek professor, his name was Peter Hintzoglou, um, this short little uh, fat Greek guy, and loved him, my absolute favorite uh, professor throughout seminary. And Professor Hintzoglou once told me this as we were discussing how people reflect and then make choices in their faith along the way. And he said, people, if they do that, if they do it on a regular basis, meaning reflect on where life is going, people will be capable of making minor changes in their lives, ones that will create significant transformation towards the end of the year. Meaning those little adjustments add up. Daily, sometimes multiple times a day, analyzing, reflecting, and making adjustments, they might seem minor in the moment, and yet over the course of a year, they can have significant transformation in our lives. And so that's one of our resolutions is that we reflect all year long. James chapter 1 verse 22 says this. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Thankfully, we have selfies now to defeat that. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law, that is Jesus, that is the Christ, that is the Messiah, anyone who looks intently into the perfect law that forgives, that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does taking what the Word of God says and, and bringing that to a reflection day in and day out and then making those adjustments to do what it says, the Word says you will be blessed. And the word blessed is the word, or is the phrase rather, to be heading in the right direction. You are doing the right thing 
as you reflect on the truth of the word of God. That's what it's saying. And so this second resolution that I want to suggest to you for 2018 is that you begin a practice of reflecting all year long. Don't wait for the big moments. Don't wait for the anniversary. Reflect on your marriage now. Don't wait for the birthday. Don't wait for New Year's Eve. Reflect on that now. Get in the habit of reflection. The final one, the third one uh, for resolutions is to grow closer to God. And you, you might be thinking, well, that seems like an obvious one, especially in church. And it might be obvious, um, but it doesn't mean it's easy. If it were easy and obvious, we'd all be doing it. But the reality is we struggle, all of us in this room and those listening online, we struggle with growing closer to God at very periodic points in our lives. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 of the ESV gives us some guidance on that. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate it on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Another way is do not let this book depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Why is that so important? Why is that so important in us being able to grow closer to God? Why is the word of God so unbelievably critical for our growth's sake? Well, one of the big reasons, especially for teens and, and college students, young adults, is because you won't uh, have a warning when that temptation comes. You won't have a warning when you're led to make the wrong decision. So to have the word of God so presently on your heart, so close to your lips, to be able to repeat it, to help save you, to help protect you in that moment is unbelievably critical because very few of us carry a pocket Bible. So to have the word of God heavy on our heart says, in this moment, I will declare this verse and I will live out this verse whether it's times of trouble or times of temptation. I can remember as a little kid, uh, I, I grew up in our church at Wheaton Bible Church and I went through Awanas. Anybody heard of Awanas or go through Awanas? Awanas is a, a church program for kids. It's kind of like midweek Sunday school, if you would, except you get to wear uh, uniforms that kind of look like Cub Scouts and you memorize uh, scripture verses and you run around like crazy and get candy and and uh, it's chaos. But the, the thing that I remember so significantly about Awanas is, man, I had to memorize a lot of verses. You go, well, man, you're super spiritual, Pastor Brian. No, I wasn't spiritual. I, the only way you got prizes and candy is if you uh, memorized verses. So, man, I was in. So I would memorize verses over and over and over trying to get the prizes. And I can remember with my dad in our kitchen, I can still picture it to this day, his King James Version Bible open, this humongous Bible, and him quizzing me on all kinds of scriptures. Romans 8, 28, Romans 3, 23, John 3, 16 and 17. Da, 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 all these things. And in the King James, I would get certain words wrong. And he would have to sign off if I, if, I, if I got it right. And if I got one word wrong, he wouldn't sign off. I'd have to do it again. And, and I, would think, I would remember thinking to myself, look, I've got the gist of it. I've got most of, most of the point of the passage. I got it. But no, he would make me go back and say the exact word that the Bible says. And I remember thinking, this makes no sense. Why are we even doing this work? And yet, to this day... I can remember the words I would screw up on 
I don't screw up on them. I remember the word of God. And to this day, I utilize the word of God. I memorize scripture. And there are moments where I utilize that in certain situations. When I was a police officer, I used it enormously. In certain situations where I thought my life was on the line, where it was a dangerous situation, where I was tempted or I needed to have great faith, the word of God came about. There's this idea in law enforcement that when stress hits, when a crisis hits, you revert to your training instinctively. You don't think about it. It just happens. And I firmly believe it's the exact same thing with the word of God. When a crisis hits, when stress hits, when it's on the line, how you respond is going to be based on how you have trained. And in large part, that's knowing the word of God. See, a challenge to learn and recall verses from the Bible opens up an opportunity for you to certainly grow closer to God. Not just raw memorization so that you can win in trivia, but for them to take hold of your life. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 2 says this, Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Write them on the tablet of your heart. You see, many Christians will begin the new year of deciding they're going to read the entire Bible as their New Year's resolution. And that is a very commendable goal, and all of you have the ability to accomplish that. But reading the entire Bible in one year can at times seem a bit overwhelming. The heart of God is that you start reading, not that you kill yourself and hate it. Billy Graham writes this in regards to getting into Scripture. And, and so many people will say, well, I'm a new believer, or I want to get my faith back on track, or I want to focus more on the Lord. What do you suggest? And this is what Billy Graham says. He says, be, begin by reading the Gospel of John, for it tells us of Christ, of the greatest life ever lived and what he has done for us. And it is so true. If, if you're looking to apply my suggestion number two in growing closer uh, to God, then I would suggest you just start in the book of John. Read a few verses. Think about it. Reflect on it. What's the truth that's being spoken? Another way to grow closer to God is to spend time with him daily. This gets back to our hurried uh, culture that we live in, our distracted culture that we live in. When we think of carving out time every day to spend with God, we often think, I don't know where I'm going to, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Where am I going to fit that in? How's that going to work? But I believe with all my heart that part of growing closer to God is just to spend some kind of time with him. Notice I didn't say an hour. Notice I didn't even say 15 minutes. I don't know what it is for you. If you're not doing anything, my suggestion would be to do something. A good habit to start is to have some kind of devotional time every morning, whether that means a few minutes in the car or some scripture meditation or study in prayer. Something to where you're spending time with your God it will never come back null and void. 
I have certainly had those moments where I've spent time with God and I've not heard a thing. Maybe you can relate to that. Where you read, you pray, and you're like, mm, one-way conversation, I'm not hearing anything. I've had so many of those. But here's what I always know. God is with me. He is with me in that moment, even if I don't hear something back. And so it's more important for me to put in the work than it is for God to say something back to me. And Scripture reminds us of that promise. James chapter 4, verse 8, Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Come near to your God in 2018, and He will come near to you. It's a promise. Not in an academic way, not in an authority way, but He will come. And similarly, one of the most common New Year's resolutions is to help others, to do something to help other people. A good way to act out that goal while growing closer to God is through acts of service. I wonder how many of us think to ourselves, well, I want to make sure I help others, and yet it, just in the last month or two, how many of you have driven by a, you don't have to raise your hand, please. How many of you have driven by a car that's off on the side of the road? Not even a second thought. In fact, you probably justified it as I do. They're fine. Or someone else will stop. Or I've got to get somewhere. There's the hurried. There's the distractedness. Or how many of you have walked by someone who's maybe struggling to load things into their car at Walmart or Home Depot and they continue to struggle but you get in your car and drive away? Or you've walked by someone in need. Maybe they're begging, maybe they're not, but you know they're in need, but you just walk by. It's pretty easy to ignore. And yet there's a call that says, I'm going to help. When I was a brand new youth pastor in 1996 in California, I had a friend, uh, Eric Stell, and him and I decided we were going to drive up to see some friends and family uh, up in San Francisco. The distance from Ventura to San Francisco is, depending on how fast you drive, uh, is between six and seven and a half, eight hours, and anywhere in between there. We decided as we drove that we were gonna be holy. That was our intent and that we were going to make it our goal to stop every time we saw a vehicle on the side of the road. In California, there's a lot of vehicles on the side of the road. <laughs> People don't drive very well there. They drive their cars into the ground, and they crash, and they have road rage and everything else. So we didn't really think about that, but we decided we were going to help others. And so we began the drive and what should have been somewhere between six and seven hours ended up being 14 by the time that we got there because there was doggone too many needy people on the side of the road. Now, as we stopped, I can tell you stories for hours on funny stories, scary stories, really weird people that we came uh, one, we sprinted back to our car and sped away <laughs> after seeing the people. 
Um, but there was, I, I remember thinking to myself, it just felt so good. And I, as I thought about this sermon leading up to it, I thought, man, I've just kind of lost that. And it goes back to, I don't want to live a hurried life. I don't want to live a hurried 2018. I don't want to live a distracted 2018 because I want that adventure. I want that ability to help anyone who might be in need. Another gift is being able to pray for someone. To grow closer to God is, in fact, to talk with him. And one of the greatest gifts we could give another person is to pray for him. What we did for Irv this morning and what we did for Irv at the 9 o'clock service was the greatest gift we could give him. He may or may not want to hug today, but he'll take the prayers. We have a prayer wall on our website and on our app. There's no password. There's, uh, there's, there's no username. You can just go on there and you can submit a prayer and you can pray for those uh, who have asked for prayer. The greatest gift you could give to someone is to pray for them. But it also grows you closer to your God. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is just empty words because you feel weird about saying it? No. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. These, friends, these are just a couple of suggestions for New Year's resolutions. You can apply it to your school. You can apply it to your work. You can apply it to your marriage. You can apply it to your kids. Could we come up with many, many more if we were all good to go out to lunch today? To be sure. And they would all be great. These are just a few that I suggest as a follower of Christ that you think about. Do you have to apply all of them? By no means. But I would suggest that you grab one that maybe God's tugging on your heart saying, hey, this is the year you and I are going to go closer together. Or hey, this is the year you are going to live a generous heart in ways that you never imagined. Or hey, this year you are going to reflect on such a regular basis that you're constantly making adjustments. Which one is it for you? As we review those things, live generously, reflect all year long, grow closer to God, what is it for you? I'm wrestling with it. I already told you mine, and that is not wanting to live a hurriedness. We're not wanting to live a, a hurried life. So I'm trying to think, what does that mean for these as I go into the new year, both for church and my family and, and friends? What does that look like for my life? I hope what, whatever you end up doing, whatever you decide you're going to apply yourself to, I hope and pray that 2018 is the best year yet. I hope and pray that this time next year, you are closer to the Lord and closer to your loved ones than you ever dreamed you would be today. But it's not just going to happen. You've got to make a plan. You've got to set some goals if you're going to hit those marks. So that's my encouragement for you this morning. Let's pray together. So God, as we get ready in a few hours here to celebrate the New Year's, whether that's blowing horns or confetti or silly string or going to bed at 8, 
Um, it's coming, whether we like it or not. This new year is coming, and it, it gives us an opportunity for a lot of us to reflect on 2017 that brought with it both blessings and struggles, brought with it joys and loss. And yet, as we think about 2018, it will be much the same. It always is. It's, it's another year. For some in this room, 2018 is um, bringing up thoughts of, of excitement as, of what is to come. Maybe a new marriage, maybe uh, a new child that's being born, maybe the purchase of a house or, or moving or a vacation. There are joys that are coming in 2018, and yet in the same breath, there are some in this room and those listening online that they know even now 2018 is going to bring struggle. It is, it is going to bring heartache. It's going to bring pain. And, and yet, God, in, in both of those things, we just, we rest in the soft whisper of you, God of all creation, who says, I'll go with you, with you. I'll be with you. I'll go through it with you. I'll guide you. Continue to live this life that I've given you. God, we hear your words and we ask for courage and strength and stamina and obedience to be and to do and to exist as the person you've created. So as we continue to sing, as we get ready for this new year in our lives and this new year in the church, we pray that it is the best year yet. That you would catapult us forward in ways that we never, ever dreamed or imagined. And we promise every step of the way, through laughter and in tears, through heartache and celebration, we promise to praise you and to keep our eyes focused on you in all things. For we pray this in the name and the powerful presence of Jesus Christ.